Open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke, the 13th chapter. As you're turning there, I'll um, let you know if, if during the announcements, you, um, when it was announced that Brad was going to have the scripture reading this morning, if you heard a slight little thud, that was my heart dropping in my chest because I realized I hadn't told Brad what the scripture reading was going to be this morning. <laughs> and if you heard a second little thud shortly thereafter, that was Brad's heart dropping in his chest because he realized I hadn't communicated to him what the scripture reading was going to be this morning. But through the miracle of modern technology, we've made it work, and you never would have known had I not said anything. Appreciate Brad and um, appreciate the men of this congregation and the efforts that are, are being made to spread the gospel and to uh, worship God here in this place. Here in Luke chapter 13, uh, Jesus gives the same command as the moral of two different stories. From our reading there, if you would, let's read again, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now on that same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? That's story number one. Look in verse 4 for story number 2. Or do you suppose that the 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all these men who live in Jerusalem? We really don't know anything about these two events other than what's recorded here. But there's two terrible events here that's recorded, that Luke records, of people dying. And it seems that from what is said about these two groups of people that they were known to be sinners. And Jesus asked if they met these terrible fates because they were greater sinners or worse culprits. And then he answers his own question exactly the same way both times. Look in verse 3. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And then look in verse 5. I tell you no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. The same moral of the story is given exactly the same way. The moral of the story is that, no, they weren't any greater sinners. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. There's a common fate for us all. And that fate is physical death. At some point, we will all leave this world unless the Lord comes back before we do. Our souls and our bodies will be separated. What happens to our soul depends on how we have conducted our lives. Jesus is calling on the listener here to repent. Repent before it's too late. The amount of sin that one is guilty of is irrelevant. The same fate befalls us all. He makes it clear that unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Romans 6 and verse 23 gives us a little bit of insight in that. 
Where Paul says there, the wages of sin is death. It's that simple. Death is a consequence of any amount of sin. So knowing that, <clears throat> excuse me, knowing that, what is your response? Have you repented? Have you turned in the opposite direction from that which you were going? And turned and headed to the direction of heaven? Living a life to God along the way? If you were a Christian, you have. And I encourage you to keep heading that way. And keep living a faithful life to God. Stay on that narrow path. As a Christian, does the gospel message burn inside of you? Knowing what fate lies ahead for the sinner, what are you telling them? As Jesus begins his ministry, his message was very simple. Matthew records it in chapter 4 of his gospel, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, you know what he began to preach and say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What a simple message. That was the beginning of the Lord's ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We've mentioned before, what does it mean at hand? It means I can reach out and touch it. It means it's here. It means it's close by. We need to be saying the same thing. World, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let me ask you this question. What's more important than the gospel? Turn with me over to John chapter 6. What's more important than the gospel message? We've looked at this passage here recently in, in our studies. We talk about the bread that came down out of heaven. Jesus in verse 41 here in John, 46, uh, John 6 says, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. Jesus makes it clear that that it was God and not Moses that provided the manna in the wilderness to the Israelites. That was God that did that, not Moses. Yes, Moses was the leader of the children of Israel and following what God commanded him to do, but it was God that provided the manna. And God has now sent his son to a starving people in the world. Look in verse 33 of John 6. It says, for the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Isn't that a wonderful sentiment? This is not to satisfy a physical hunger, but this is to satisfy a spiritual hunger. In verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. How wonderful is that? In John chapter 4, when Jesus is speaking to the, the woman of the well, some same sentiments are mentioned there about the idea of the physical virtues, the spiritual. Jesus tells her that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
ushering out the physical and ushering in the spiritual. Jesus came to do the will of his Father. Look there in verse 38 of John 6. It says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but who? But what? But the will of him who sent me. Jesus was obedient to his Father. And he came down out of heaven to do his Father's will. And what is it that his Father's will is? Was and is. We get insight into that. 1 Timothy 2 and, and verse 4 says, God who desires all men to, set, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's God's will for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. See how all these things are connected together? Look down in verse 40 here in John 6. Same sentiment. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son, or everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on that last day. It is God's will for all men to be saved. There's a lot in this world that's important to us. Our family, our job, our career, the homes in which we live, the cars we drive, the food that we put in our stomachs. These things are important, aren't they? They sustain us in our everyday lives. We love our families, don't we? But does any of that compare to eternity? How can we hold anything of this world up to a life in heaven with our God and our Father in eternity? Either we will be in that state, that heavenly bliss, with God the Father, or we'll be destroyed in the lake of fire, along with all other evil things, including Satan himself. Revelation gives us that grim picture of what that will look like. There's a lot in this world that is important to us, but what's more important than the gospel? Let's understand also that the gospel is not to be confused with feeding the belly. We've just confirmed that with what we read there in John chapter 6. Jesus is drawing that distinction about the manna that came down out of heaven to feed the children of Israel, to feed the spiritual, or feed the physical, excuse me. He says, I am come down out of heaven to feed the spiritual, to give life to all men. But some in the, war, in the world want to equate the two, to feeding the belly and the gospel message. In Jesus' ministry, he, he fed a lot of people. We can look in scripture and see that. He did and indeed feed a lot of people. In one instance, he fed 5,000 people. In another instance, he fed 4,000 people. But in both of those instances, as Matthew records in chapter 14 and chapter 15, he fed them because he felt compassion on them. Why? Because they were hungry. Some had been following him around for a while, and they were hungry. Scripture points out that Jesus felt compassion on them. That's why he fed them. 
They were physically hungry. So Jesus took the opportunity to practice compassion and to feed them, provide them what they needed. It has nothing to do with his teachings. It has nothing to do with the gospel message other than the fact that they were out there listening to it, needed something to eat. Romans 14 and verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Some get hung up on eating and drinking. Those in Corinth had to be corrected because they were taking the Lord's Supper as a, as a part of a, a common meal that they were having. And Paul rebukes them for it. and tells them that that's not the way things ought to be. You've got homes in which you can eat. You come together, you come together to take the Lord's Supper, the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. Not eating and drinking. Righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. The point is, is that the gospel message is enough. It does not need to be peddled with some promise of food or some promise of entertainment that you might come in these doors and be entertained during this hour. The gospel is sufficient in and of itself. Romans 1 and verse 16 tells us that, doesn't it? What, what was Paul's attitude towards the gospel? He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe. Paul understood the power of the gospel. He understood it did not need to be peddled. It did not need to be flowered. It stands on its own. So let's make sure that we are being true to God's word by simply declaring God's word. One other thing to think about. Think about this. That the gospel message will go out. I'm reminded of Isaiah 55. I think this is a favorite of Chuck's, this passage. Beginning in verse 8, says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word, which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the manner in which I sent it. Brethren, visitors, the gospel message is going to go out. Why? Because it's God's will. And he, he speaks here through the prophet Isaiah and says, my word does not return to me empty without accomplishing what I want it to do. So we can be rest assured that the gospel is going to go out. The question is, will you be a part of that? In Esther, chapter 4 and verse 14, as, as Mordecai is encouraging Esther to take steps to save her people, we have there in verse 14 of Esther, chapter 4, 
For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's household will perish. And who knows whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this. Are you remaining silent? Take to heart what Mordecai is saying here to Esther. Take it to heart. Are you remaining silent? Are you withholding the gospel message, just assuming that someone else is going to proclaim it? Well, rest assured, somebody else will proclaim it. But you run the risk of you and your father's household perishing. You run the risk of not spreading the gospel message to those who are around you. This is your time to tell those around you to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mordecai told Esther that maybe she was in the king's palace at this very time and place for a reason. That perhaps God had put her in, this, in the palace in this certain time to provide deliverance for the Jews. And guess what? He was right. Think of this. Perhaps you're in Cortez, Florida in 2018 for a reason. The gospel, the gospel message will go out. But it's up to us to proclaim it here and now. It goes forth from this place where we come together and worship and, and study and focus our energies and focus our worship to God. It rings forth from this place. And there's a reason for that. It's because we come together to do that. If we weren't here, the gospel message wouldn't go forth from this place. It wouldn't go forth from our homes. Accept God's providence in placing you here at this place, in this time, and do your very best to proclaim the gospel message. It's not just up to me. Yes, I have the charge as the minister, as the preacher, as the evangelist to stand before you and to proclaim God's word each and every Sunday morning and teach Bible classes and all those other things that go along with it. But it's not just up to me. It's up to us as individuals, as God's children, to proclaim the gospel message here in this place, in this time. So, have you heard the good news? Yes, you have. And that good news is that God wants all people to be saved. Not just some, not just those uh, in a certain economic strata or social strata. God wants all men to be saved. So you've heard the good news. He sent his only begotten son to accomplish his will. Only through Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is salvation available to all men. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. 
Romans 10 verse 17 tells us that. Having heard the good news, it's up to you to believe what you've heard. John 8 and verse 24, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Unless you likewise repent, you will all perish. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And there's that repenting again that comes in. Hearing and believing and repenting. Understanding that we need to make a change in our life. Acts 17 and verse 30. God is declaring to all men everywhere to repent. So part of this plan of salvation to all men is that God wants all men everywhere to repent. And having done that, you must recognize and confess who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, as the Ethiopian eunuch declares there in Acts chapter 10. Jesus says in Matthew 10 and verse 32, Everyone there who, therefore who shall confess me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Confessing Jesus Christ as the Son of God is necessary if we want to be cleansed of our sins. And that takes place next when we are baptized. Mark 16, 16 says, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Without baptism, there is no remission of sins. Having done that, our charge in life is to live faithfully to God, to stay on that narrow path, living faithfully to Him, not turning to the left or the right, staying on the narrow path. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Our Lord says there in Revelation 2 and verse 10. We have gospel efforts going on right now. We have this festival that's taking place in our little town. And the men here have decided that we would set up a little tent out there in front of the building and, and meet people as they come by. And we did that yesterday. Had some good conversations with some folks. But that's how the gospel has to go out. It takes effort on our part. We've got a gospel meeting coming up at the end of this week. where We'll have different speakers in this, this, this week each night to encourage us. We're going to be talking about discipleship, what it means to be a follower of Christ. These are all meant to strengthen us in our own efforts so that we can continue to ring forth the message here in this place. I encourage you to do that. If you're not a child of God, you've heard the plan of salvation. You can respond to that today. If as a child of God, you're not staying on that narrow path and you've wandered off of it, I encourage you to get back on it. Make the necessary changes in your life to get back on that path. If you have something of a public nature that needs to be confessed before the church, you can do that as well. Whatever your needs might be, I ask you to come forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.